0: We're all searching for stability or something that lasts. Streaming on Anchor FM Worldwide,
1: Eternal insight starts now. Here's Anthony Maranese.
0: Well, good day and welcome to yet another episode of Eternal Insight. I am your host, Anthony Maranese, and today we have got a splendid, splendid guest. And boy, do I have a story uh, to to sort of go uh, with this guest today. Um, For those of you that don't know, I'm, um, for the last year or so, I've been kind of in the throes of of, uh, writing a new book on cancer and Christian spirituality. And um, I was in a bookstore one day uh, looking for... Uh, helpful supplements and resources uh, off of which to draw uh, other insights in my own book, um, and I just I was I was coming up empty, and sure enough, the Holy Spirit and His divine providence just sort of intervened. And on my way out, uh, as I was passing the very entrance, which shockingly I, I should have seen this when I walked in, but uh, on the way out, I saw the local authors section of uh, the store and. Uh, The person we're going to be speaking with today uh, has written this wonderful book, and her book was um, actually literally on a pedestal uh, in this bookstore. And um, its title, as as you'll learn as we go on into the show, uh, was just something I couldn't pass up. I I picked this book up, uh, I went home, um, and read it literally in one sitting from cover to cover. It was just phenomenal. Um, So again, uh, that's just sort of my little... um, soliloquy to sort of begin the show. This is Eternal Insight, uh, and we are so glad that you've joined us. First and foremost, we want to thank all of you uh, who are joining us and listening on the Anchor FM radio broadcast platform, as well as all of you who listen via podcast. We definitely thank you for taking advantage of the podcast feature, and we certainly know that uh, it's not always um, possible for you to join us. Uh, ...on our live airings on Anchor FM, so that podcast feature is, is great. And, and usually our shows make for a, a good little commute, especially if you've got about a 30-minute drive or so. Um, that's, what we, that's what we aim to do. Um, we want to remind you uh, that we do have a pretty, uh, pretty awesome Twitter presence um, that you can follow us on. It is uh, at uh, Insight underscore Eternal had To think about that for a second because it's, it's actually backwards. We're eternal Insight uh, uh, at insight underscore eternal to follow us on Twitter, or you can email us at eternalinsightpm at secretary.net with your own eternal insights uh, questions or comments about the show, um, which could be featured on further episodes. We sort of want to remind you that eternal insight is a show about living now in the life to come saying goodbye to all that is temporary, and finally laying hold to what is promised, what endures, and what gives us life to its fullest. And what we ultimately do uh, on each episode of Eternal Insight is we focus on uh, something that does have an enduring and eternal value. Um, The great Protestant theologian Martin Luther actually once said that I have lost a number of things, but all that I have left in the hands of God I still possess. Uh, And so, even though this life is temporary and fleeting, there are things that we pick up along the way uh, that actually do endure to eternal life. There's a phrase that's always cracked me up. Um, People say, you can't take it with you when you go. Well, yeah, this applies, of course, to physical things, money and uh, possessions and beauty and looks and things like that, but what about sincere beauty, uh, that which is part and parcel to the soul? Um, there are things that in this life we learn and we grow in and that deepen our spiritual life, and these follow us into eternity. In fact, they help, they help get us to the places that we want to go. So um, for each episode of Eternal Insight, we feature something different um that we hope that we can retain or hang on to and today uh, in a very special way we're going to be talking about the important role of uh, presence and supportiveness throughout life and our guest is just the perfect person um to do that and so without further ado we want to sort of give you our our lead up to our guest today our guest is the author of cancer journey a caregiver's view from the passenger seat she's an inspirational speaker Freelance writer and the co founder of Faith, which is Facing an Illness Through Him, a support group for families facing catastrophic illnesses. Um, her husband's diagnosis with stage 4 lung cancer was the impetus for her to become an advocate for lung cancer awareness and for cancer caregivers. Uh, in addition to having contributed articles uh, and portions to the book Chicken Soup for the Soul, she's also contributed to In Touch today's caregiver today's christian and breast cancer wellness magazine along with numerous others audiences of all ages can relate to her candid and often humorous presentations of the struggles and triumphs encountered during her 12-year journey in the passenger seat as a cancer caregiver Um, her husband jim lives in germantown they have three daughters three sons-in-law seven grandchildren And, as described, a fat old cat. I'm sure for so many of our listeners, the image of Garfield is just going through (laughs) our mind right now. Uh, With pleasure, we welcome Miss Cynthia Siegfried to Eternal Insight today. Miss Cynthia, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank
1: you, Anthony. And um, I know that most people, thank you for for having them here, but I'd like to preface our interview with a soliloquy of my own. Um, It was interesting that... Um, God, I think, blessed me with this interview and this contact with you because it, in preparation for the interview, I went back and read my book again, um, and, you know... People may think that I do that all the time, but I don't. <laughs> and in rereading that, it prepared me for uh, what happened yesterday. We, my husband had a scan, and um, the cancer is back. So this was his ninth recurrence. Mm. So it was. I think this was really a blessing from God in that he had me first go back and read what I had already written about his faithfulness. Um, prior to receiving that bad news, so I thank you and I thank God for uh, having me here today.
0: And that's uh, you know that's something that's that's in- incredibly uh, profound uh, that that you just said that, that you can actually even in 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 something as difficult as that still find a reason to thank and to praise. Uh, God, even though it was bad news, you're you're able to see the the silver lining, and that that famous phrase from, or uh, not phrase rather, that famous advice uh, that Paul gives us in Romans that uh, whatever has been intended for evil, God will use for good. Uh, you know, rings rings into my mind right now uh, as we prepare to begin this uh, this interview today. Um, our thoughts and prayers, uh, absolutely. Uh, continue to be uh, with with your husband, Jim, as he goes through this next round of of his battle. And uh, we know that that God will infuse him with all of the strength and graces necessary to uh, be an overcomer that he makes us, you know, he made us all overcomers. Um, one, one thing that I want to um, mention again at the outset before we jump into your interview, uh, Ms. Cynthia, uh, for all of the listeners today, um, and we'll repeat this again toward the end of the show, um, is that if you want to, to visit Miss um, Cynthia's website, not just um, which, is, cont- which contains a blog about her experiences as a cancer caregiver, um, but also has links to uh, her book where you can purchase her book, which is also available through Amazon and wherever books are sold? Her website is cancercaregiver.net. That's cancercaregiver.net. Dot net. And again, all of, all of this, uh, especially that title, will, will come to make sense um, as we go on through the interview. Our, our perspective in our book is, is one that's um, very sorely neglected um, in, in uh, the annals of, of the cancer experience. We rarely think of uh, the people who go through um, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, and yes, indeed, sometimes even the physical Uh, trials of of being the person that renders care for the cancer patient. We always uh, usually only focus on the patient. Well, there is a whole other side to that, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so as we've um, mentioned, uh, Ms. Cynthia, you you have written this book um, called Cancer Journey, A Caregiver's um, View from the Passenger Seat, and the the book is unique um, in that it's directed toward a typically forgotten audience, and that is the persons who care for the one who's undergoing the illness. I'm um, wondering if you could just sort of tell us a little bit on how you came to write on this topic and, and why this audience in particular.
1: Yes. Um, I became a cancer caregiver unwittingly <laughs> when my husband became a cancer patient in 2002. And I found that there was very little information out there for cancer caregivers. I Since that time, there is much more, thankfully. But um, into, the, into the journey, about five years, people told me that maybe I should write a book. I had been writing emails uh, to people to keep them apprised of his situation. And we, were, we went out of town for most of the time for his cancer treatment. We went to Houston. And I wrote emails to keep to let people know what was happening with him, and they sent them on to other people, uh, and they found them helpful. And they said, maybe you should write a book, and and share this with with other people. Well, in in about 2009, I decided that I would I would try to do that. Um, the The book, while I use caregiver in the title, it's really for someone who loves someone with cancer. It's not necessarily for people who care for someone with cancer on a day-to-day basis. And there are millions of people out there who love someone with cancer. Um, My intent was not entirely altruistic. It was very cathartic for me to write the book. Um, And I wanted something out there that was from from the perspective of a caregiver, and a, and from a Christian perspective, there was nothing out there at that time.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Um, and and you know this is this is an interesting um, insight that you give. Um, not just having having the book written from a Christian perspective, but uh, more to the point that you, that you mentioned specifically. This isn't this isn't a uh, necessarily a guidebook for uh, maybe like home health care workers um, or uh, persons who might be uh, paid to take care of cancer patients. This, this book has everything to do um, with yet another sorely overlooked topic in our, in our world today, and that is the reality of love as choice rather than as, as feeling. You know, it's, it's very uh, easy for us sometimes to, uh, to not necessarily always feel so loving toward other individuals, um, but uh, to make the choice, um, even even when things are difficult, uh, as, as they certainly are during the cancer struggle, that is um, real and authentic love uh, in itself. And so that, you know, all, almost dovetails um, perfectly into an, another question that we have for you. Um, I was gonna, you know, ask this one a little bit later, but you know, you've 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 made such a, a wonderful segue here. Um, I was just gonna ask: In what ways do you believe that maybe caring for a person throughout their cancer journey um, strengthens and increases the love between people involved in the experience?
1: Well, first of all, there's a shifting of perspective when you um, and priorities. When when you um, have someone that you love that has cancer, um, all of a sudden you realize the importance of love and um, family and commitment. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> the um, your priorities become different. The things that seemed important to you prior to the cancer di- diagnosis no longer seems so important, as you said in your introduction, the eternal values, uh, what's going to be, imp- what's going to matter when you're gone from this earth, as we all will be, yes, <laughs> gone from this earth, what is left. Um, and that I think, my husband often says that we were close before cancer, he had no idea how close we would, we would become after the cancer diagnosis. Our children, they were adults at that at the time of the diagnosis, uh, all out of the house. But uh, we all became closer as a family when we realized how fleeting our time is on this earth and what really matters.
0: Indeed, um, one of the things that that does that does matter and that that seems to be so forgotten by so many uh, when encountering uh, what Christian theologians actually refer to as the, the natural evil uh, that is, that is a, a physical illness or a physical ailment like cancer is um, not only something that you mentioned, that importance on perspective, but the things we have perspective on, such as happiness, such as humor... Um, and you know when, when I first read your book I was um, amazed not only at uh, just sort of the poignancy and the reality of, of the way in which you you spoke with um, with your audience and with your with your readers about the experience um, you know sort of a holding back no punches a, a being very real and explaining to people that yes even though you're not going through this there were parts that people might conceive of as as, uh, a bit, a bit begrudging, a bit burdensome, a bit, a bit, uh, maybe even annoying to use the terms, and 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 that's just amusing because um, people don't often think uh, uh, of of individuals like themselves. They often we're often our toughest critic is is the idea, and so you know when I read that, um, you know I was I was thinking of my own work in, in chaplaincy. Uh, for example, when I have been visiting patients before, and uh, they were having chemotherapy-associated nausea, uh, and you know, in, instead of just offering the prayers, praying over the, praying over them, you know, I'm I'm there holding, you know, a a a bowl for them and holding their hair back while they're while they you know getting sick, and I'm like, wow, this is not what I signed up for at all. But at the, but at the same time, you know, there's there's something incredibly rewarding out of that, and you know, reading reading these similar sorts of anecdotes. Um, in your book, it just kept hearkening me back to the importance and the reality of humor and, and of joy. And at one point in your book, um, you, you write, God wants us to experience joy. And then in another section, you say, joyfulness is important to God. And then you go on to talk about the importance of humor and the cancer experience, and not just talking about the importance of it, but you illustrate it through those anecdotes that I mentioned I think it's safe to say that a lot of us forget about these things, um, at least initially in the cancer struggles. And some people become so embittered by it that that they almost don't get that sense of joy or humor back until either they're in remission or, you know, until it's almost too late when when you know they're in the final stages and they realize, wow, I've missed out on this. I was wondering if you could just elaborate on some ways that you find joy and humor and vitality to be helpful for, not just cancer patients, but especially for, for you as a caregiver, um, and you don't have to necessarily mention specifics from, from your book, but if you want to, have at it.
1: Now, um, you said, I say in the book that God wants us to be joyful. He wants us to experience joy. Uh, joy is mentioned 165 times in the Bible, so God's serious about it.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Uh, the, but joy is different than happiness, God doesn't mind if we're happy, but that's not something He talks about in the Bible. Happiness is a temporary uh, emotion, and it depends on your circumstances. Joy is a condition of the spirit. Uh, So there's a big difference between joy. You can you can't probably can't be happy uh, when you're undergoing trials and tribulations. But you can be joyful uh, in 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 that, and there there are countless times in the Bible where we're told where we're told to do that. Um, so happiness is fleeting, joy is permanent and eternal.
0: One of the values okay. of this show <laughs> now, <laughs> that she so now, well she's so well hits on here. <laughs> humor,
1: humor is a, a different thing. Humor brings us happiness. And again, I think, I think God's all for that. I don't think God minds us, uh, minds some levity in situations that other people would deem very serious, and certainly cancer is serious. Absolutely. But we have to be able to uh, laugh at ourselves and not take ourselves quite so seriously uh, in life, in every endeavor. Um, in everything that we do, um, we have to be willing to laugh at ourselves. Um, and that was one of the areas that, that we found humor in, we, we were able to, Jim and I were both able to do that. Um, laughter can lower cortisol. These are facts. Absolutely. It releases, releases endorphins, boosts T-cells, uh, it does, there are a lot of physical benefits to laughter. It hasn't been proven that laughter aids in healing, but if it makes us feel good, why not why not it's free absolutely <laughs> uh, it's something that we can we can all do so uh, and there are ways that we can manufacture that kind of humor uh with movies funny movies jim and i had a friend that sent us to houston the first time around with all of these dvds of of funny movies um there's nothing like a good belly laugh to to make you feel better um and if it doesn't, if it doesn't aid, actually aid in healing, at least you feel better while you're sick.
0: Absolutely, certainly, <laughs> so. and and it's certainly <laughs> cheap cheaper than cheaper than therapy or, <laughs> or medications right. for the, right. <laughs> to right. to sort of buoy the spirits. There's
1: even something now called laughter yoga. I don't I don't know of anything in this area, but it's not it's not something where they go and laugh at you as you try to do yoga, but it's uh, they all laugh. Uh, together, and uh, I'm fairly I certain if somebody
0: saw me trying to do yoga, I, I, I would I would provide good good laughter <laughs> for for the entire course. If somebody saw, I would tip over. It would just not be. It. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's very good. Um, so see, this is one of the one of the uh, I guess more positive or or that you mentioned joyful aspects of being a a caregiver or a um, to more succinctly and more poignantly uh, put what you what you said in our in our first question a lover of someone um, with cancer um, there, there's a certain mirroring um, I believe that that occurs in um, in your capacity and in your role as a caregiver and a, a lover of a person um, going through something as uh, as difficult to face um, as as cancer, you know we we are often reminded of um, the the apostles' journeys, uh, the missionary journeys of the apostles, um, and how they were constantly at uh, the side of of our Lord. You are in a way um, an an apostle to one who is suffering. If if a person who is engaging in the suffering of cancer is um, unionized with and and shares traits in common with uh, our Lord, who Himself is suffering's first conqueror, uh, and and you are someone that never leaves uh, their side and, and loves them, uh, literally as as our Christian vows say in the marital sacrament until death parts us. Mm-hmm. Uh, then then that really does have an apostolic character to it, and um, I think that in itself is um, something that speaks to this this. Dimension of eternal joy rather than just fleeting happiness. You know, there's, there's a great reward um, in that. And, and so, to that end, I would just ask uh, what are maybe some of, of the more um, joyful or positive aspects of, of being a, a caregiver for, for a person um, with cancer?
1: Um, I think that, first of all, uh I've I've found so much joy in I, I guess I think my spiritual gifts are probably encouragement um, and when you're living in God's will when you feel that you are doing what God sent you here to do there's tremendous joy and fulfillment in that so uh, this gave me an opportunity uh, to do that and express that not only to my husband but to other people in similar circumstances.
0: And, and this is something that um, really becomes clear in something that you and uh, your husband, I, I refer to him as Mr. Mr. Jim, um, and those that read your book will almost come to know him uh, even without knowing him uh, personally, which is, which is, I think, an attribute, uh, as a writer myself, I think it's an attribute of a great writer, is when, based on someone's descriptions in their writing, you can almost feel as if though you, you have come to know uh, the person that they're describing, I think, I think that's a, a quality of a of a very good writer. And so, for that reason, uh, of course, I'm going to you know recommend to all of you listeners, you know, grab a copy of the book and read it. But, um, you know, mentioning that you have these these spiritual gifts of encouragement and and having picked up uh, these values throughout, um, something that that you and Mr. Jim have, have co-founded, have started together is. Um, this this faith support group and faith. Um, I want those of you to know this is one of the, I guess one of the pitfalls of radio is that you can't you can't visually see things. so I'm going to have to be descriptive for a moment. Um, in the acronym F A I T H, all of the letters are lowercase except for the H because uh, the 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 acronym stands for Facing an Illness Through him, him referring to our Lord, hence the capital H. Um, and and Miss Cynthia and Mr. Jim have started this faith support group, um, which speaks to many of her gifts to encourage and support others throughout their journeys. And I was just wondering if you would be uh, inclined to tell us a little bit more, not only about this uh, support group, but also how others might benefit from participation in this, where they can find um, meetings or locations, things like that.
1: Okay. Um, First of all, we established the group. Again, not entirely for the benefit of others. We really needed something like that. Mm -hmm. When Jim was diagnosed in November of 2002 and then he was in treatment the next, in 2003, most of the next year, And we looked for some sort of support group. There was nothing that included both the caregiver and the patient, and that was a Christian support group. Uh, I think there are a few others in the United States, but there was nothing locally. Um, So we started our own. And it was a process. We didn't really know what we were doing. So it was a process that uh, was trial and error. And we went through some times uh, where we found out that certain things weren't working. When you, when you have a group like that, it's difficult to maintain it because people either die or they, they get well and don't feel a need for the group or they're too sick to come. Hmm. So it's hard to have a core group. At first we tried to meet every week, and that just didn't work. Then we went to every month. We first started in a church, but we found that that, that that kept some people from coming because if they were of different, they were Christian, but of different denominations, they weren't so likely to come to that particular church. So we ended up having it in our home. And then as, as it developed, we de- we had a strong online presence. So we had about, at any given time, about 120 members across the United States wow. um, who would if they, if they weren't able to come to the meetings in our home, monthly meetings, then they sent their request to us and, and we prayed for them. Um, as far as the benefits, oh, first I should say that the last, in the last year it's been really difficult. As of last February, we had our last meeting in our home in February of 2016. Jim had a really, really rough year. He started at, at about that time in February. He had three hospitalizations last year and, and, and nearly died, uh, the last one he was in the hospital for eight weeks, so we stopped the monthly meetings in our home. We hope to begin those again, but we still have the online presence and people can join the group online and count on prayers of the rest of the group. Um, as for the value of a support group, uh, I think that every Cancer patient and caregiver should belong belong to a support group. Of course, I'm going to say a faith group is better than any because from there there you don't just exchange ideas, but you have the prayer support. So you also have. You're not just making each other feel good by sharing sharing uh, your feelings. You're actually uh, talking with a great physician, and you come away knowing that you've left your prayers and petitions with him, with the one who can really help. Um, So, um, the fellowship that you get is amazing. Our our meetings, uh, some people thought they didn't want to come because it would be so depressing. They were so involved in the cancer treatment that they didn't want to go to a place where everybody had cancer and hear more about it. But these are the most upbeat people. Um, our point wasn't in the group wasn't to um, to convert people to Christianity. But it was clear on the front end, as from the name, that it was a Christian group, and that we were involved in prayer. We did we don't embarrass anyone or call on anyone to pray out loud uh, if they're not comfortable with that. Um, And we have the exchange of information that pulls other people with the illness into the group. We have had Muslims and we've had um, uh, Jewish members, but it is a Christian group. We don't make any apologies about that.
0: As as I wouldn't expect anyone to, and, and <laughs> wouldn't would hope that we that we wouldn't. Uh, but but at the same time, you know that's that's something that also um, you know struck me and and, and inspired me uh, a great deal uh, when when reading the book um, is is your mention of of. Individuals who, who don't even, even share our, our belief in, as you said, the, the great physician in, in Christ Himself have been a part of this. And I, and I think there is, um, not just in, in the darkest uh, and most difficult moments of, of life, but I, I believe that there is this, uh, this innate craving for um, the uh, truth with a capital T. It's, it's Karl Barth who said, truth is a person. And of course, uh, we already know that who this person is—the uh, the one who identifies himself as the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so, um, it was interesting for me to read that that there are individuals of, of different faiths who who maybe as a means of profession didn't share belief in Christ, but were still flocking to and drawn to this group. And I and I think in a very real way that's because they. Uh, you know have have been hardwired have been made by the the same creator that we've been made to in some way even if they are not consciously aware of it seek that same truth that that we all do and i think that's something incredibly um, beautiful that comes out of this um cynthia we we have one final question um for you um before we sort of round out our show today um, and you know th- this one was was particularly um, interesting for, for me to have seen. Uh, being a, a cancer survivor um, myself, this is my twentieth uh, year of remission from leukemia. No, Mr. Jim, um, while he continues his fight, is also in the in the survivor group. Um, as as many listening may be um, or may know people who are um, survivors in the sense that that. They have lived through uh, and overcome the illness, but at the same time, in in your book, you provide several definitions for the term survivor that, um, you know, when I first read it, I I was thinking to myself, wow, you know, I've never seen it described this way, but I really like this description a little better because it's a bit more inclusive. Many people think that you're only a survivor if you have overcome the illness alive, Uh, and in your book, you actually tell us that uh, there's a bit more to being a survivor than just making it through the illness on the other side of it. What, what would you say to somebody who believes that um, you can only be a survivor if you've overcome the illness?
1: I think that the danger in the term survival or survivor is that um, it it almost seems as if... Um, a person can boast Mm -hmm. about being a survivor when in fact being a survivor has nothing to do with the person that survived. Now how that person survived and what happened to him during the process of the illness, that's a different story. Um, did Did the person come out a better person than he was? Uh, when, you, when you started this, this uh, process, uh, started in the illness, um, have they become, uh, what, what happened under pressure? You've, you've heard, often heard said that if you squeeze an orange, you'll get orange juice. Mm-hmm. You know, what happens when you're under pressure? What, what comes out? Have you become more Christ-like in the, through the process of your illness? Um, have you become a more um, compassionate person through, through your illness? Do you care more about others? Have you wasted your illness? Uh, John Piper talks about that. He says, don't waste your suffering. And, and that's something that both Jim and I have, have attempted to do. You don't want to go through all of that that you've gone through and think that it's been a waste. That you haven't, in your terms, that you haven't contributed something to the eternal kingdom, to what matters what's going to, to live after you. Um, so my idea of a survivor is different from what some people think of as a survivor. I, it always makes me uncomfortable when I say, well, okay, Jim's a 15-year survivor. What does that say then about people that only survived one year, that only lived one year uh, with their diagnosis or six months? Does that make them any less um, worthy of praise than than Jim? No. Certainly not. Does does his 15-year survival indicate that somehow he's more deserving of God's favor than the person who died after 3 months? No.
0: Certainly not. And there's a there's a an intense beauty um, in that realization that um, A survivor can be a person who bravely and with, as you mentioned, those Christ-like attitudes, perhaps denying themselves the satisfaction of being bitter through their illness and instead embracing a sort of cheerfulness or a kind demeanor, even though they may be, Physically suffering, and in, in, in so doing that it is. You mentioned this earlier in the show. It's it's how you face the illness. It's how you actually fight. It's how you go through it. Um, so even in that way, a person who is fighting through it and who has not yet attained remission can and is considered a, a survivor. And there's there's something incredibly beautiful behind that.
1: And yet, I'd want to want to avoid the idea that. Um Cancer patients or anyone who's suffering has to keep uh, has to have a positive attitude all the time.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah.
1: that's a terrible burden. Oh yes, to, to put on someone—it's
0: <laughs> unrealistic as well. Positive, yeah, <laughs>
1: positive all the time, but um, yeah, they still can—they still can display um, character values, uh, virtues during during the process, um, Christ-like. Uh, Characteristics.
0: Most assuredly. Most assuredly. Um, One of the things that uh, we generally do um, on Eternal Insight for each episode is we provide a quote of the show. Uh, Usually we do this at the beginning. But there's a, a reason why I sort of wanted to hold off uh, and save this one for the end, um, because there's a there's a great quote, and this comes from um, Cancer Journey. So the our quote of the show today is directly from our guest, and this is directly uh, from her book as well. Um, I've actually used um, this quote uh, directly uh, in in my pending manuscript and uh, among some other great insights from. Uh, her book as well, but I I really enjoyed this one, and this will make sense as we round out the show. Um, Cynthia Siegfried, the author of Cancer Journey, writes, "...suffering can give birth to increased creativity. The writer has something to write about. The singer sings with deeper feeling. The artist finds new methods of expression. The speaker has an enriched platform." So that in, in its entirety is, is our quote of the show, but I especially want to point out that beginning, the beginning sentence, their suffering can give birth to increased creativity. And it's very clear that in your accompaniment, Ms. Cynthia, through Mr. Jim's cancer struggles, uh, as, as you've co-suffered with him, uh, that, that you and he both have have found that increased creativity, that you're able to not only produce such a beautiful uh, work of, of literature and spiritual guidance, but also that you're both able to create um, such a um, beautiful and supportive support group, the faith support group. Um, we want to remind you once again that Miss um, Siegfried, Cynthia Siegfried's book is Cancer Journey, A Caregiver's View from the Passenger Seat. You can uh, find her blog as well as other information about her Uh, Her speaking engagements, the faith support group, and her book at cancercaregiver.net. You can find out more about Eternal Insight by visiting eternalinsight.org.
1: Anthony, do you mind if I know that you've given me that quote, but this one far surpasses. This is is a scripture that has kind of become my life verse. during this whole process. It, I had a different one at the beginning 15 years ago, but this one I love. It's 2 Corinthians four sixteen through 18. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal.
0: And how appropriate that she that she chooses this verse. This is actually, <laughs> I, I kid you not, listeners. This is this is in no way um, um, staged. Um, Cynthia and I, though we've emailed back and forth, this is actually our first meeting uh, today in person to record this show. Um, she would have absolutely no idea about this, but I'm just telling you all because this is the, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's actually the mission verse of eternal insight uh, itself because it, it does um, draw our attention away from the fleeting things of life here below and, and toward the things that endure uh, for eternity. So what a what a perfect way to round out the show. Miss Cynthia, we certainly thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. Well, for Ms. Cynthia Siegfried, uh, the Faith Support Group, um, as well as all of us here at Eternal Insight, I'm Anthony Maranese, reminding you to have a great day, and as always, be blessed. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Austin.